0: For thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, therefore have I spoken. I was greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, All men are liars. What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly, I am thy servant. I am thy servant and the son of thy handmaid. Thou hast loosed my bonds. I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. In the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of thee, O Jerusalem, praise ye the Lord. Um, this song struck me this week, and, and uh, it's certainly an encouraging psalm. It's a very personal psalm. The psalmist—I counted this morning—they used "I," "me," or "mine." If I counted right, thirty-four times in these nineteen verses. Uh, it's certainly a praise. It's a it's a praiseful song. It's a psalm full of praise. He's he's Praising God for His deliverance uh, during troubled times, and when He's been troubled by other people, uh, and it's an it's a psalm of instruction. It instructs us on how we should respond to God, who has blessed us. And so, if the Lord will be my helper, this morning I want to look through these verses and, and comment on those. And once again, I pray that you would uh, you would pray for me as we try to do that. The psalmist begins by saying, "I love the Lord, I love the Lord." Um, do y'all love the Lord? We want to try to love the Lord, right? Um, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our Lord is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thine soul, and with all thy might. That was, uh, as, the, as the law is being regiven uh, to Israel, it was very important that they instruct their children and instruct Israel that, the, that, that, that you need to love God. When you're going to go into this promised land, you need to love God. When you're going to go through hard times, you need to love God. Um, and I found this definition in a in a study Bible I was reading this week for love. It was and I liked it. It said to choose to make the Lord central and supreme in your thoughts, feelings, and actions. We understand that love love's not just an emotion that we feel, right? It's a choice we make. We choose to love our spouse. Certainly there's an inherent love in us for our children, but we have to choose to love them and, and be kind to them. And so when, uh, when Moses is recounting this, the Lord Jesus Christ would repeat this in the New Testament, when we're told to love the Lord with all our heart, uh, really what, what that's saying is you, you need to make the conscience, decision and the effort to make God the supreme being in your life. The supreme point of focus in your life. That doesn't mean we don't focus on other things, but that all things should should flow through the lens of the focus on Christ, right? Or on the Lord. And so the psalmist here says, I love the Lord. He begins the, the psalm by saying, "I." he's declaring, I love the Lord. Well, why should we love the Lord like it tells us to love the Lord? And and you could say, well, because God said to, right? Right. <laughs> um, we could say that and be kind of kind of mean. I mean, I mean, if you ever had kids and they've asked you why and, and you finally just say, because that's what I said. Right. <laughs> um, you know, there's a lot of people question why pray if, you know, there'll be deep theological questions. If God knows everything that's going to happen and how does prayer change things? And, and, and we can talk about all that. But, hey, the Lord said to pray. So we should pray. Right. But well, Why should we love God? Well, there's more than just because He said to, because He's been so good to us. Um, You know, uh, 1 John chapter 4, I believe it is, John would say we love Him because He first loved us. You might say, well, I love the Lord, so He'll love me. Well, that's not how it works. The Lord loves you, and therefore you love the Lord, right? And so here he's saying, saying, I'm going to love the Lord because He's heard my voice and my supplications. Can you imagine as creatures of the, the earth and, and, and sinful people, do you, we ever know how mind-blowing it is that the God of all creation can hear our prayers and does hear our prayers and chooses to hear our prayers? That's amazing, isn't it? And he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love the Lord because He's heard me. Uh, he's, he's heard my cry unto Him. How many of you are thankful that God hears your prayers? I want to read from the book of uh, Habakkuk. You don't have to turn there. Um, in, in chapter 1, it says, "...the burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. O Lord, how long shall I cry? And Thou wilt not hear. Even cry unto Thee of violence, and Thou wilt not save. Why dost Thou show me iniquity, and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me, and there are that raise up strife and contention. Therefore the law is slacked, and the judgment doth never go forth. For the wicked doth compass about the righteous, therefore wrong judgment... Uh, proceeds and then in verse 5 it says behold ye among the heathen in regard and wonder marvelously for I will work a work in your days which you will not believe though it be told you and why, why do I read that the, the miraculous thing about those first five verses is back it says how long Lord are you not going to listen to me and the Lord listens to him and responds to him our Lord is, is a merciful God isn't he he's a, a, a God that is so far above us in in every uh, stretch of the imagination. Yet he he lifts he 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 inclines his ear towards us. That's amazing, isn't it? You remember when they were praying uh, for Peter was in prison, and they were praying for his release, and God releases Peter from prison, and Peter goes to the to the door and he's knocking on the door, and the girl comes to the door and 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 she said it's Peter, and they go back into the prayer meeting and said Peter's here, and they're like no way. <laughs> A little faith in a big God goes a long way, right? It doesn't blow my mind that God could orchestrate Peter's release from prison. The God that can say, let there be light and there's light, can do whatever he pleases, right? But what's amazing is he listened to the prayers of some people that were had very little faith in him. He, he inclined his ear unto them. So the psalmist is saying, I love you, God, because you've heard my voice. You've heard my supplication. You're taking an interest in me. And that's a good reason to love the Lord, isn't it? Because He's taking an interest in us. He says, because He hath inclined His ear unto me, therefore will I call upon Him as long as I live. And so He's saying, because because God has inclined His ear unto me, because He listens to my voice, because He listens to my supplications, because He listens to my prayer, uh, that doesn't make me want to stop praying. The response to to, to answered prayer in your life is to pray more, right? When I... Look... Uh, prayer is, is, is probably the most neglected uh, uh, spiritual uh, gift or the most neglected uh, discipline in the, in the life of Christians and certainly in my life and, and many of us. We, I don't think we understand the power of prayer. Um, you know, if we did, we, it probably, we probably wouldn't have to, to think about it. I'm supposed to pray without ceasing. I'm supposed to always pray and never to faint. We'd be doing it, wouldn't we, if we, if we completely understood the power of prayer. But I'll tell you in my life, when I when I see answered prayers, you know what that makes me want to do? Pray more. Right. And I have seen how many of you have seen answered prayer? I've, I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in this church. You know, there, I, I won't call out names. That'd be embarrassing. But there, there's people that I've prayed would begin attending this church that are at the church. That's amazing, isn't it? You can go. Brother Tim was here last week. He he tells the story of a legal pad he had of names of people that had never been to the church. When he began to pastor the church, they had about eight members, I believe it was, and he began to pray that these people would come. And and he says a great majority of them have joined the church and been baptized. Prayers, God God delights in answering prayer, doesn't He? That's amazing. And he says, because you've you've inclined your ear unto me, I'm uh, going to keep calling upon you as long as I live. And really, who better to call on as long as you live, right? (laughs) The one who transcends times. He says, the sorrows of death compassed me and the pains of hell got hold upon me and I found trouble and sorrow. The sorrows of death compassed me. They encircled me. The pains of hell got hold upon me. the the, the the word, the, the pains there, it's a it's a tight place, a troubled place, a tight spot. And then he says, they got hold upon me. They found me. Do, do, do any of you have you ever been in a, a situation in your life where it just feels like trouble and sorrow just seems to find you? <laughs> you don't go looking for it. It just seems to, to find you, right? And then he says, I found trouble and sorrow. So not only has trouble found him, he's found trouble and sorrow. Uh, and... and, and so it's finding him, he's finding it. How many of you have been in the situation where you think, man, nothing in my life is going right? Anybody? Well, here's the response to that kind of trouble. In verse four, he says, then when trouble had found me and sorrow had found me and I'd found trouble and I'd found sorrow, he says, then called I upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, I'm begging you, deliver my soul. You know, oftentimes in my life, and I'm sure it's true in yours, when trouble, and I don't know that I've ever been in trouble like this, uh, the psalmist is in here, but when I'm in trouble or when I'm in need, often, uh, sometimes my mind doesn't go to, why should, should I beg the Lord for it? It goes to, well, how can I fix this? Or how can I, let me Google how, how to fix this. <laughs> oh Google, I beseech thee, what is the answer to my when there's a God in heaven who can move mountains and create universes. And it says, it says he made the the moon and the star. It says he made the sun and the the moon and he made the stars also like it's an afterthought. And he inclines his ear unto me. He, he, he enjoys, if I can say it that way, me coming to him (laughs) to ask. And I don't go to him, but the Psalmist shows us the right thing. He says, when I was in trouble, I came to the Lord and I called on the name of the Lord. And I said, Lord, I beseech thee, I'm begging you. And then he says, deliver my soul. And certainly you can the word soul can be used to signify your body, but it can also be your mind, your inward man, right? And, and, and you know, so he's having soul trouble. He's having emotional pain. Is anybody here, I'm asking a lot of questions. Have y'all ever emotional pain? Sometimes I'd rather have physical pain than emotional pain. And you know what's very interesting about I've read studies that emotional pain can trigger physical pain. That's how that's how powerful emotional pain can be. And he says, "Lord, uh, there are so many issues in my life, just deliver my soul from the situation that I'm in." And then he he, he gives the character of the nature of the God who he's who's he's begging to. You know, it'd be it would be, it would, I couldn't encourage you to say if you're in, if you're in trouble, whether it's physical, uh, maybe it's emotional pain or whatever it may be, I couldn't encourage you to go to God if God was just, if, if I said, our God is so mean, <laughs> our God is so unfair, but go to Him anyways, and maybe, just maybe he'll, you can work your way into finding some favor with Him, right? That, would, that, would that motivate y'all? Not at all. If you've got a boss that's unreasonable, you probably don't go to him to ask for a raise, do you? You try to avoid him. Well, here he says, here's the nature of our God. God gracious is our Lord. He says, he says our Lord delights in giving us things that we do not deserve. He delights in that. He's gracious. His very nature is to be gracious. We see that in our salvation but through many other things in life how many of you can say that God has given you things that you do not deserve Let's praise his name he says he's he's and he's righteous That's that's mind blowing he's right It is a right thing for him to be gracious Let's skip ahead he says our God is merciful So not only is is he not only does he delight in giving us what we don't uh, what we don't deserve I love this He God delights in with in withholding the punishment that we do deserve. God's good, isn't He? Now how could, as people who thumb our nose at God, and and God says, do this, and we do that, and not only that, we carry a nature about us that's been passed down from Adam all the way to us that is in direct opposition to God, how could He be right to be gracious and and to be merciful to us? That's the mind-blowing part isn't it not that he's gracious and merciful uh, to good people but he's gracious and merciful to people that get themselves in situations like the psalmist has gotten himself in and he says he's right to do it isn't that amazing that how could god be right in that because you know what second corinthians second corinthians chapter 5 i believe is the last verse of that of that chapter says for speaking of god about christ he says for he hath made him to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. How can, how can God be gracious and merciful to people who can't stand in His presence? Because He devised means where His righteousness could be passed on to us where we could be righteous and He would be right to be gracious and merciful to His people. That's amazing, isn't it? He says our God is gracious He's righteous in his graciousness and he's righteous in his mercy. Verse six, he says, the Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low and he, he heard me. The Lord, the Lord preserves, he keeps, he guards, he protects the simple. That, that word simple is used a lot. It, it can and it can, if you if you look up the definition, it means foolish or without knowledge. And he says here that the Lord preserves those who are without knowledge. Um, how many of you can let's 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 answer this one. <laughs> how many of you have not even maybe you didn't even know you were in trouble or you were in trouble and you had no way to get out of trouble? You didn't know how to get out of it, but somehow it just all worked out. Anybody? You didn't know, but the Lord preserved you through it. Can we say amen to that? The Lord is not, he says, the Lord, this is how the the you know, there's the saying the Lord helps those that help themselves. And that's probably that's that's true, I'm sure. The Lord the Lord blesses people who who follow after him and the Lord certainly will help you if you try to if you try to do right. But I'm going to tell you this, the Lord helps people that don't know what to do and don't know how to help themselves. <laughs> that's how good our God is, right? He preserves the simple. And and you know what? He's 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 given us means that is, people without knowledge, how how can he preserve us? Certainly, providentially, he preserves us through many situations that we get ourselves in, and and the Lord has the Lord by Himself just sees us through. But you know, He's given us His Word to protect us who are simple. I'm gonna I'm gonna read this. This is Psalm 19, verse seven. It says, "The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure." That is saying that the Word of God is, is perfect. There's nothing lacking in it. And it's sure you can... How many of y'all have said this during the, during the last year and a half? I just don't know where to go to get truth. Here's where you go to get truth. It's sure. It's steadfast. It doesn't change. It's ever, it's ever truthful. The Word of the Lord, He says it's true. It's, it's sure. It's perfect. Making wise the simple. Psalm 119-130 Psalm to 130 says, that it, the entrance... Of thy words giveth light; it gives understanding unto the simple. You say, "I don't, I don't know, I don't know how to live life. I don't know how to, I don't know how to uh, uh, be a disciple. I don't know how to be a parent. I don't know how to, I don't know how to be an employee." There's a lot of things, you know. There's, there is nothing. Now, it's not going to tell you this is this is the kind of girl you need to. Well, will tell you the kind, but it's not going to say this is the girl you're going to marry, right? But it'll tell you what kind of. Girl, you need to be looking for right, or what kind of man you need to be looking for. It won't tell you uh, this is what you need to major in in college, or this is what you need to, this is how you need to perform your task at work. But it'll tell you how to do it. Heartily as under the Lord, right? Everything, the framework for everything we need for life and godliness is contained in the Word of God, and He says it makes the ones that are without knowledge it gives them knowledge. He preserves the simple. But here's the psalmist says, when I was brought low, he helped me. (laughs) Can we can we testify to that when he was? How many of you in my life? A lot of times. When I get low. I see God more clearly when I'm up high. I remember my grandfather's here. We went to Bethlehem Church probably 15 years ago. And. um that's the church that I mentioned earlier, and they were growing, and, and um, it was it's and and they're still a wonderful congregation, but the, the Lord has just blessed that church, and they were on a mountaintop, and um, I, I remember he offered the prayer and he said, "This is it's wonderful to be here. It's wonderful to see the children. The church is growing," um, and uh, he said, "When you I think he said when you're on the mountaintop, pick some flowers for us for when you come back down, so we can see them. Those are in the valley." <laughs> It's ups and downs, right? And sometimes when you're on that mountaintop, things can get so good that we just forget about God. But here he says, when I was brought low, God helped me. You know, a lot of times that's when we feel like we need Him the most. But what's interesting about that, when you're brought low, you have the least to offer Him. Right? When you're in a, when you're, when you're in a hole... And you can't get out. You're not very good to anybody, right? But he says, nevertheless, God helped me. Verse 7. He says, return unto thy rest, O my soul. The the winds and the storms of life have, have, have beat upon the psalmist, and we can all relate with this, but he says to his soul, he says, he says, return unto thy rest. That's a, that's a settled spot, a place of, a place of peace. I, I thought about it as kind of the soul's lazy boy. <laughs> I know that may sound silly, but how many of y'all have that chair that you just, when everything's when, when, when every, maybe something's going wrong, but if you can just sit down in that chair for a few minutes, it's just a spot of peace, Right? Well, he says here, he says to his soul that is troubled. And I'm sure that everyone in the congregation today has things in their life that is troubling their soul. But he says to his soul, soul, return unto thy rest. Just, just sit down in a settled spot for a moment. And here's the answer to that, that emotional pain or the chaos or the stress it's not to focus on the chaos or the stress or the emotional pain it's to focus on the lord he says he says soul return unto thy rest for the lord hath dealt bountifully with thee um that bountifully means means very generously. He's been very liberal to you with his blessings. Um, he's given you bounty, treasure. Um, I don't. I'm not picking on anybody because I've said it. How many of y'all have something that's happened? Um, uh, maybe you got a flat tire, or maybe maybe you didn't even. Maybe you heard of somebody that got a flat tire, and you say this. Well, that'd be my luck. Y'all ever said that? The most blessed people in the history, as far as materially, physically, (laughs) uh, monetarily, as far as having food and clothing and shelter, and we said, boy, that'd be my luck. (laughs) The most blessed people in the history of the world should never say, boy, that'd be my luck. God has been, see, when we say something like that, it's just a figure of speech, I know that. And i've I've said it and I try not to say it but what how could I say that? how could you and, and look I don't know what you're going through. I have no idea what everybody in here I know some of what some of you are going through. I know this that you're either you either you're either in a storm coming out of a storm or about to go into a storm <laughs> that's just part of life right but let me tell you. And 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 when you say when he says to his soul, just sit down and rest for a minute, I think the psalmist knew there's going to come times of chaos again. But boy, it's 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 good to fight those times of chaos and stress when you're a little rested and a little energized. And how are you going to do that? By looking at what God has done for you. I should never say, boy, I mean, now if I heard somebody walked into their closet and they found a um they found a suitcase that the previous owner had left there and it had a million dollars in it. I'd be more like say, well, "Boy, that's my luck, because <laughs> God's been good to me." And you can say, "Josh, yeah, God has been good to you. You've you got a sweet family and a sweet church and just... yeah, well, God's been pretty good you. if you there's something you can find in your life that God's been good to you. And, and I'm sure there will come times in my life where, where my soul will not be at rest, and, and there have been. And, and But when I, when I can look at how good God has been to me, it just gives me a lot of confidence in God for the future. You say, I mean, how many of us, we look at all that's going on and we say, what in the world is going on? What is the future? I don't know, but I know a God who already knows. And I know a God who can lead us through all of that. Don't you? And so, soul, rest. Just sit down and watch the game for a little bit, soul. (laughs) Rest, because the Lord has been good to you thus far, and He will be good to you till the end. And listen to the bounty that he got. Verse 8. It's not that he did give him a million dollars or he gave him fame or wealth, but here's the bounty from the Lord. He says, for thou hast delivered my soul from death. Mine eyes from tears and my feet from falling. That's the bounty that the Lord gives you. He says, I've given you enough strength for the day. I've 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 wiped away your tears. I've delivered your soul from the state of death that it was in. And when we look at how good the Lord has been to us, doesn't, isn't that what it does? Our tears. Hey, and you say, well, I cry. <laughs> I cry too. I told Carrie last night I hadn't had a good cry in a while. <laughs> Other day, I was laying down with Bo. We were going to sleep, and Bo said, Dad, do you ever just feel sad and you have no reason to be sad? And I said, I do, Bo. And we talked about that yesterday as a family. Like, sometimes you're just sad and you don't even know why. But, and you think, well, he's delivered you from tears. Look, in this world, the, the Bible says even of Jesus that he wept. By the way, he's the manliest man there's ever been on the face of the world. So if I cry, you know, Brother Tim apologized for crying the other day. I said, don't apologize for being. Hey, if the, if the gospel of God's grace can't make you bring you to tears, then I don't know what could. <laughs> but you say, I still cry. I still, my soul still goes through. Go read Revelation 21. That'll be your homework. First five verses today. There's coming a time when you're not going to cry. When when God will dwell with His people, He'll wipe away every tear. There won't be death. All the things that bring us tears will be gone. Isn't that amazing? No more tears. You won't have to worry about your feet from falling. And He says in verse 9, I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Because of what God has done for me, I will walk before. Before the Lord in the land of the living, because of who God is and how He's protected me thus far, and how He's protected me, this is how we can say it today: I'm going to live my life among the saints of God in the kingdom of God. In 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 reaction to how God has been so good to me, I'm going to live my life among the land of the living. You say, where can I find those who are alive in Christ in the church of God? in the church of God. I, I'm, sure, I'm sure you can find them in a lot of other places. <laughs> I believe God's got a lot of children. But I can tell you the one place I know you can find the living is in the church of God. You remember when in, in Ephesians chapter 5, we don't have to turn there, but He said, Awake thou that sleepest. Arise from the dead. We don't, there are many places in this world where the, the dead just... I'm talking about spiritually dead people. They just rejoice in being there. It's not a place for the child of God. He says, awake. Thou that, not, not you who's dead. He's not talking to the spiritually dead, but the, the spiritually asleep. He says, and get to the land of the living. That's what Paul's saying. In the, wasn't that interesting? Brother Josh, last, uh, Brother Josh Mason last Sunday talked about the, the preacher that, that did the experiment where he wouldn't, he wouldn't go to church. He wouldn't read the Word of God. He just would have nothing to do with God for one year to see how it panned out. And he ended up an atheist. Well, I can tell you, I bet that brother will be in heaven by the grace of God. I really do. But you take a year off from God and you might wind up an atheist, right? You you don't go to the dinner table for a year, you'll wind up dead, right? If if you want if you want to, to properly follow God and properly live your life, then do it in the land of the living. He says, I believed, verse 10, therefore have I spoken. And he's, it, I think he's saying there, our faith is not a private faith. our Our faith, when he believed in God to, to deliver him, to save him, to to give his soul rest, he says, I, "I believed it, and I've spoken about it. He says it's a public faith. Do y'all see that? It motivated him to tell others to proclaim, to speak about God publicly. He says, "I was greatly afflicted. Uh, and, and you know that's that's not unusual to the child of God to be greatly afflicted. It's common. That God's people throughout the ages have been greatly afflicted and persecuted and hurt and looked down on. And here the psalmist is going through the same thing that is common uh, to God's people throughout all history. And he says, I said in my haste. as If he was afflicted, I said in my haste. I said in a, I said in a hurry. I said it real quickly. Probably out of fear. How many of y'all have gotten in trouble for saying things too quickly? <laughs> or out of fear? I, I have. You know, you can say things to your spouse just real quick that can hurt them for a long time. I heard about a man this week that he uh, he told his doctor, you know, he said, my wife, something's wrong with her hearing. He said, she's gotten older, she can't hear anything that I say. <laughs> what can I do? And the doctor said, well, when you go home, you you kind of sneak up on her and get far away and say say something to her and see how far away you have to be for her to react. Come back and tell me, and we'll see what we can do. And so the man got home, and she was chopping carrots at the sink, and he snuck around about 15 feet from her, and he said, Honey, what's for dinner? She didn't say anything. So he got about 10 feet from her, and he said, Honey, what's for dinner? He didn't hear anything. So he got right behind her and said, Honey, what's for dinner? She said, Baby, for the third time, beef stew. (laughs) Sometimes we project our problems on other people, don't we? (laughs) That had nothing to do with the sermon. I just wanted to tell you all that. (laughs) But in his haste, he said, all men are liars. People have been lying about him. People have been persecuting him. People have been bringing him down. And he says, in my haste, all men are liars. And I want to tell you, and it's, it's true of any age, but certainly true for us today. And certainly true if you spend a lot of time watching TV or the news. When you can look at all the bad stuff that's going on, we can hastily say, man, there's just, there's just no good left in this world. you know that? We just get so downcast and depressed and we just say in our haste, all men are evil. They're all liars. They're all terrible. How many of y'all feel that way? I'm going to tell you, that's not the truth. We we believe by the Word of God that God has a people out of every nation, tribe, kindred, and tongue. That Jesus Christ was the firstborn among many brethren. He said, in my Father's house there are many mansions. That's our theology. of, of That's our theology of salvation or soteriology we believe that there'll be a large number that no man can number that'll be in heaven well guess what has to take place before they can be in heaven they have to be touched by the spirit of god and that's that's what makes good people the spirit of god and guess what they don't they'll um they, they'll you you could watch the news tonight probably and they'll have 30 they'll have 29 and a half minutes of the worst news in the world and then for the last 30 seconds they'll say in a good in a good news story <laughs> the, the news might be better if if it was 29 and a half minutes of good news and at the end they said here's the bad stuff that's happening <laughs> might be better for your soul right um a lot of times we don't see the good because we're not looking for the good you know that? um you ever, you ever said uh, you ever said to somebody, they say, how you doing? And my response, I'm sorry, is I say, I'm good. Most times things are going good. I know that's not proper English. I should say I'm well. But I, I mean, I'm from Chelsea. I went to Alabama. I don't know proper English anyways, okay? Um, and, and then sometimes people say, well, the Bible says there's none good. No, not one. That's very true. Man in their very nature, there's none of them good, and they all are liars. I want to read I want to read about Joseph of Arimathea. This is in, in Luke chapter 23, verse 50. Starting in verse 50, it says, And behold there was a man named Joseph, a counselor. Now this is the Bible now. It says, and he was a good man and a just. The same had not consented to the counsel indeed of them. He was of Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who also himself waited for the kingdom of God. This man went unto Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. He took it down and wrapped it in linen and laid it in a sepulcher and was, it was hewn in the stone wherein never before was a man laid. They said, here's our Lord who has been crucified. And the, and the Bible says, here comes a good man to get him. Acts chapter 11 in verse 22, starting in verse 22, it says, then, then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church which were Jerusalem and they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch. Verse 23 says, who when he came, and I love this, and had seen the grace of God, was glad. (laughs) You want to be glad in life? Don't focus on those 29 and a half bad minutes. Focus on that 30 seconds. The grace of God in people's lives. He says he was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord for he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. It is very true that by nature, men are not good. But there is a God in heaven that can take wicked, natural, sinful men and overrule their nature and make them good men. It says of it says of Joseph that he was just. How was he just? Because God had justified him. That's why he was a good man. He wasn't a good man because he decided I'm going to major in this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to give all my money to the poor. That didn't make him a good man. You know what makes him good? Is that God had made him good. And God had justified him. in Barnabas, it says Barnabas was a good man. Well, what made Barnabas a good man? He was full of the Holy Ghost. And he had faith. What? Why did Barnabas have faith? Because he was full of the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost had given him faith. Do you all see that? So the next time somebody says, well, there's nobody good. There are still good people. I believe in this world today he says, just like Barnabas and Joseph, they were good people. And then in verse 12, he says, what, what shall I render unto the Lord for all His benefits towards me? That is a great question to ask. The, he, the psalmist is saying, what can I do for God in response to all His blessings in my life? What can you do for God? I mean, think about God. who, who Everything's His anyways, right? What can we do for God? That's a great question to ask. He says in verse 13, I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the lord he says i will i will take of the cup i will i will embrace the deliverance that god has provided for me i won't neglect it i will delight in salvation i will rejoice in salvation in time and in eternity and because of the salvation that god has given me i will call on the name of the lord the proper response to God's deliverance is praising His name. Making much of His name. Submitting, he says, I will call upon Him. That's, a, that's language of submission to God, right? That I will realize that God is bigger than me and better than me and I belong to Him. He doesn't belong to me. Sometimes we treat God like He belongs to us, not that we belong to Him. Amen? He says, I will call on His name. I will make much of Him. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all His people. I will, I will pay my vows. That's a promise to God. A thing that You have promised. I will, I, will, I will do what I have committed unto the Lord to do now. Do y'all see that? He says, I will pay my vows unto the Lord now. It is so easy to be a great disciple Tomorrow, isn't it? Tomorrow's a great day. Because tomorrow, I can get it together. Tomorrow, I can read my Bible. Tomorrow, I can pray. To, next Sunday, I can go to church. Tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. I've told you all this before. I used to every Sunday night, I would say, tomorrow, I'm going on a diet. <laughs> but tonight, when the kids go to bed, I'm going to go to Dairy Queen. It was every Sunday night. Tomorrow is so Tomorrow, tomorrow is so easy, isn't it? Everything's easier tomorrow. God doesn't want you to follow Him tomorrow. The proper response to God's goodness in your life is to follow Him today. In the, and not by, Listen, following God is a personal decision, but it's not a personal thing. Y'all see that? He says, I'm going to make the personal decision to follow God And I'm going to do that in the presence of all His people. You say, preachers are always talking about being at church. What's so important about being at church? That's where God, that that is the place that God has determined to strengthen His people is within the fellowship of the church of God. And He says, I will perform my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of God's people. Then he says this, verse 15. This man who has been delivered from death. He says precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. He'd been delivered from death as we already see, but he says that death is is a precious thing. The death of the saints is a precious thing to God. It's a costly thing. That's what precious means. It's valuable. It costs a lot. It's, it is precious unto God. Now, there's two two things I want to look at there. Number one, and I, I truly believe this, it is a, it is a costly... God, God knows more than we know the cost to humanity when one of His saints is taken to heaven you know you can go read in Hebrews chapter 11 at the end of that where there were people it says to whom the world was not worthy and there are people who have passed from, you know we are the salt of the world right we're the salt of the earth Jesus would say as the saints of God they are the salt of the earth and there are people when 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 it is when it, when their time comes and they pass from this life that the world is worse off than it was when they were here. We all know people like that, right? That the world was a better place when they were with us. And it's costly to the people that God loves to take away their saints. How about pillars in the church? Y'all remember Brother O.C. McDade? I would love to see him back there today. I would love for him to... You know, he told me one Sunday one Sunday afternoon. I, I said, "Brother," he was going to the bathroom, and I thought he was leaving. And I said, "Brother O.C., he was so faithful." That's what to the young people. Let's be faithful. I said, "Brother," he was. I thought he was leaving, and and I had I had not been preaching long, and and I was preaching the afternoon service, and most people left anyway, so. I said, Brother O.C., are you going home? He said, no, I can sleep as good here as I can at home. <laughs> Brother O.C. is a lot better off today. But this church is not without him. It's, a, it's a, The world grows a little darker when people that are full of life leave full of light. But I think it's precious to God also Listen to what it says. It's precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. Who are the saints? That's me and you. Saints aren't people that we examine their life 200 years later and say this was a saint. Saints are people who have been set apart by God, sanctified by God, redeemed by Christ, regenerated by the Holy Spirit. We identify them as believers in Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, Paul would say to the to the saints, which are at Ephesus, of the faithful in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? To the believers, if you find somebody that believes in Jesus Christ, you've found someone who is a saint. And I, I don't care. I don't care what they act like on Friday. That's somebody that was sanctified by God, right? That's who a saint is. And it says, it says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. You say it's not. The saints die. Yes, every the wage, Even saints are sinners, right? And the wages of sin is death. But he says, in the sight of God, that the death of his saints is precious. That when his saints are called home, it is precious. Um, Let me ask you this. How many of you in the last year and a half have ordered something online, like from Amazon or Target or Walmart? Basically anywhere now, I guess, you can order online. Have y'all done a lot of that? I talked to somebody the other day. They said that was my therapy during the first six months of the pandemic was just ordering stuff online. Um, I have, and it's kind of fun. It, It actually has been fun. I mean, I haven't done a lot of it, but you go online and you can just, you can find anything online, right? And you just, I say, man, I like that. And I pick it and I put in my credit card and I pay for it. And here's what I do after I do that. I get that tracking number. And I I click that thing about 100 times a day to see if it's been updated. To see when it's going to get there. (laughs) Do y'all do that? I hate when it says it's been delivered for processing for like three days. I'm like, what are y'all processing, man? You know, I need this fruit cutter that I found on Amazon deals. I love it. (laughs) And then it'll get... It'll say, oh, it's, it's made it from Memphis to Birmingham, and I'm following it. I mean, I can get real-time updates now. From and now, it's in Birmi- now it's in Birmingham, and now it's been delivered to the post office, and I'm following it, and I'm tracking it, and I'm getting excited. <laughs> and it'll say, now it's out for delivery. It'll be there by 9 o'clock. And there's been times that we've waited on the front porch. So when's that thing going to come? <laughs> Just some excitement around the house. And I, I track it, and... um. And when it arrives home, we're all happy and we tear it open and then two days later we've forgotten where the fruit peeler is. (laughs) But for that moment, it was real precious to us that that thing got home. And here's what God feels about His saints. Here's what God feels about you personally. Out of all the people in the world, God picked you. And out of all the people in the world, not just for you, but for you. God entered His credit card. He, he sent His Son to pay for you. And you know what God's been doing since the day you were born? He's been tracking you and taking care of you. And He knows where you go. And He knows what kind of circumstance you're in. And you know what God's waiting for? For you to be home with him. And when your body is no longer fit to house that spirit that God's given it, the moment you take your last breath on earth, that package is delivered to the Father's house. And to be present, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And it's precious to God when that saint that he sent his son to pay for, arrives home with him. And the psalmist says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Listen to this, verse 16. O oh Lord, truly I am thy servant. I, I am that, that word means I am, a, I am a slave. I am in bonds to you. He says, truly I am your servant. I am thy servant and the son of thy handmaid. Now listen to how God treats His his slaves, His servants. He says, Thou hast loosed my bonds, and although I am a servant to you, I am free. You know what? This is Galatians chapter 1. It says, Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by men, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised Him from the dead and all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia. Grace be to you and peace from God the Father And from our Lord, we share this Lord Jesus Christ. That word Lord means, it it doesn't mean buddy. It means master, the supreme one, the one that I answer to. That is my master. And he says, our Lord is Jesus Christ. And in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1, he would say this, to these same people who who are under the yoke of Christ, he would say, Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ, that is your Lord, hath made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Did you know, my friends, what it was it? Christ said, Come unto me, my, my, my burden is, is 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 it's 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 is not heavy. He says, What am I We serve a God who is good to us, not mean to us. He doesn't put us in bondage. He doesn't say, if you will do this, that, or the other until the day you die, then maybe at your death I will receive you in heaven. He says, no, I sent my Son to liberate you. And our God has loosed our our bonds. We are free in Christ Jesus. And He says, I will... Offer thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving. What can I give to the Lord? Well, the one who has given you all things. You know what He delights in? He delights when you thank Him for it. I will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all His people in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of thee, O Jerusalem, Praise ye the Lord. We're in, I believe we're in the Lord's house today as we're gathered together as the saints of God. And that's what God delights in, that we would praise Him together for His goodness to us. Let's pray.